I'd like to introduce tonight's moderator, Jonathan Gold. Jonathan Gold is the LA Weekly's restaurant critic and the author of Counterintelligence, Where to Eat in the Real Los Angeles. He began to write about food for the LA Weekly in 1984, and he's been a restaurant critic for California, the Los Angeles Times, Los Angeles Magazine, and Gourmet Magazine. In 2007, he won the Pulitzer Prize for his criticism, the very first food critic to ever do so. <laughs> Absolutely. Gold also wrote frequently about music and popular culture for Spin Magazine, Rolling Stone, Details, and Vanity Fair, and contributes to the radio shows Good Food and This American Life. Please give a warm welcome to Mr. Jonathan Gold. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've all been talking about celebrity chefs in Los Angeles for a very long time, probably since 1980. And the concept of a celebrity chef was undoubtedly born here, uh, probably with Wolfgang Puck around the time uh, he opened Spago, and a huge percentage of the people, at least in the early years of celebrity chefdom, uh, came from Los Angeles. I mean, this is the city of celebrities, it's the city of chefs, it makes sense, the combination. But, Yesterday, I was at a uh, city council hearing on competing bids for the uh, restaurants at the, in the terminals at LAX. It doesn't sound like the most interesting afternoon any of us have ever spent. <laughs> <laughs> and really, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> There was something that I'd heard there that I had never heard before, which was the city councilman who was in charge of the panel and the lawyers who were on the side that was opposing, uh, that was trying to overturn the, um, the decision to uh, bring in new restaurants and new exciting food things into LAX. They were talking about celebrity chefs, and they were sneering. There was a, just a note of contempt in the voice of the officials of, about the concept of it, you know, the celebrity chefs, as opposed to the uh, you know, good, hard-working union people who have been turning out perfectly dreadful food in that location <laughs> for 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> As, as if the idea of a, chef, of a chef, a cook, that was doing well enough at his or her craft to become well-known for it was something to be despised, as if the idea of being able to go and sit in an enclosed space and be able to eat good food instead of, you know, whatever those... Um, sweaty things are in the Starbucks case. Um, <laughs> especially at 9.30 at night when they've seen their best. Um, <laughs> but but, but as, as if that were a bad thing. It, it was occurring to me then, almost more than at any other time, that uh, chefs or good chefs should be celebrated. They should be well-known. They should be you know, recognized for bringing the... Um, you know, kind of great food that we've 
come to enjoy in Los Angeles and, and the rest of the United States. And in their, in their efforts, and I think a, a lot of the uh, momentum behind you know, sustainable, local, organic, seasonal food is definitely coming from the chef's community. It would be something that would be much harder to do if it were the uh, system, say, before 1980, where actually the restaurateur was the famous one and the chef was the person who toiled semi-anonymously in, in the uh, hot room behind. I was wondering, like, what does it mean to be a celebrity chef in 2010? I mean, should it, you know, celebrity and chef be, you know, thought of in the same way that, I don't know, terms like TV writer or rock musician? <laughs> or or should, should it be celebrated for what it means? What does it imply being a celebrity chef or a well-known chef or a chef on television? You know, even back in in the 80s in Los Angeles when the celebrity chef thing was first starting, the rules seemed clear. You start, a chef would start out at the bottom, you know, maybe in a, preferably in a famous kitchen, although not necessarily so. You worked, you worked your way through the stations, you, you, learned what you, were, you learned what you were doing, you maybe worked your way up to sous chef and chef de cuisine, and eventually you took that leap. You either named the chef of a place that had sufficient renown to let you to be able to do what you wanted, or you took the bigger leap and you had a kitchen of your own. And if you were really good or you caught the public imagination in a certain way, I mean, you got the magazine features, you got the recipes in newspaper food sections, you got to ask to participate in the, in the uh, chef's events that took place all over the country. Uh, a, a certain thing that you did, or maybe a few things that you did became so famous that they took on a life of their own, like, uh, I don't know, chocolate raspberry terrine. <laughs> 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 or black and redfish, or, or, or Spago pizza, or um, Roy Yamaguchi's gyoza, or you know, any, any number of things. The path seemed, it was difficult, and very few people were able to start at the bottom and be, become chefs on that level, but at least it existed. And now it's, now it's more difficult. When, when I go to cooking schools and I talk to young chefs and you talk about what you know, their, their hopes for the future are, Oddly enough, television comes up more than the kind of kitchens they'd like to work in. If you were to look at it in a certain way, being a certain kind of television chef may or may not warp the way that you, that you learn to cook, warp the way that you cook, warp the way that you look at ingredients in a way that makes the cooking either you know, exciting and new or makes it a bunch of party tricks intended to you know, impress people walking, watching at home who may have you know, not picked up a um, pan since they made popcorn in high school. We, we are all fortunate enough to uh, be here with four of the very finest and best known chefs in Los Angeles at the moment. And we're going to discuss the, um, the concept of what it means to be a celebrity chef in 2010. Um, on the end, we have Elon Hall, who was um, 
born to travel-hungry Scottish and Israeli parents of Eastern European descent. <laughs> My mom wrote this. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but it, uh, he, he went to the CIA, he worked at Kraft in New York, and he worked at uh, you know, Casa Mona, which is just a splendid Spanish restaurant in the Irving Park neighborhood of New York that I recommend you go to next time you go there. He was the winner of the second season of Top Chef, probably the... Mm. Thank you. Um, and he has, a, he has a wonderful restaurant in the Alexandria Hotel downtown called The Gorbals that serves uh, Jewish, Scottish cuisine. <laughs> what, what is Jewish, Scottish cuisine? <laughs> Whatever what Mr. Hall says oxymoron. it is. <laughs> um, that does it involve sometimes pork belly braised in Manischewitz? It does. <laughs> it's my grandma's idea. <laughs> Uh, next name is uh, Susan Feniger, who you, you, you all know for her many years at, uh, at City Restaurant, at Border Grill, and at her you know, exciting new restaurant, uh, Susan Feniger Street. She was very... With her... Um, cooking partner, Mary Sue Milliken, she was very possibly the first uh, Food Network star of the, of the new era. Uh, she did uh, 400 or so episodes of Two Hot Tamales and Tamales World Tour, and probably wishes that nobody would ever say Two Hot Tamales in her direction ever again. <laughs> It felt easy compared to opening a restaurant back then. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, as, and as probably, maybe more than anybody in the country, a, a veteran of the sort of poles between uh, being a TV chef and being a restaurant chef. Um, go, go to street. It stays open after, late. You can go after the event. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next is uh, Ludovic Lefebvre, who uh, Time Magazine called the chef of the future. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> <And> <laughs> I was waiting for more Wolf Wilson, sorry. <laughs> and um, his... His pop-up restaurant, Ludabites, is you know, one of the absolute restaurant sensations of this year. It, it opens for four weeks, six weeks at a time, sometimes at a diner, sometimes downtown, sometimes at a Culver City Art Gallery, sometimes at a, uh, at a bakery, whoever has space for him to, to do a run. It's bec what? It's the next one. Ah. Yeah. I can hardly wait. Um, when um, he has a uh, food truck uh, called um, 
Is it Ludo Truck? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I can testify that during the uh, Ludo Truck's debut at the uh, first uh, food truck festival at the beginning of the year, people waited for four hours in line for two uh, little, little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, pro which probably represents the uh, longest uh, wait per uh, you know, tonnage of chicken ever <laughs> experienced by man. It probably uh, makes customers way more patient when they go to restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, mm. It's a good idea. Make yeah. it wait longer, will you? You know what's a good yeah. thing to say to our customer? When my customer complains because we wait for a table for one hour, yeah. Go to the truck. Yeah, go to the truck. It's for yeah. our work. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Thank you, Monsieur. And I think, um, you know, he, of course, is a, he, of course, is a extremely accomplished uh, chef. He was, he worked for, um, you know, almost the holy trinity of French chefs for uh, Pierre Gagnier, uh, for uh, Marc Menot, and for Alain Passard. Alain and uh, was a chef at L'Orangerie, and his run at Bastide, I still think, is one of the best years of restaurant cooking that Los Angeles has ever seen. It was just extraordinary. Make me red. And I, I don't think there's anybody in the room that doesn't know Nancy Silverton. <laughs> you know, who has won every award that is possible for a chef to win, who has written a multitude of wonderful cookbooks, you know, many of which are still being cooked out of 20 years and 25 years after they were written, um, who introduced the concept of really good artisanal bread to most of the United States. Are you French? No. <laughs> I said the United States. <laughs> you, you did study at, what was, what was the school? Of, at Lenoc. At the best. <laughs> so even Ludo approves. And, and of course, for the last couple of years, she has par partnered with Joe Bastianich and Mario Batali in Pizzeria Moza and Osteria Moza and Moza to Go and Son of Moza. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, et cetera. Focaccia's on Mon Focaccia Day is Monday, just in case you're taking notes. Hmm. Elon, up to you. Are the mechanisms of becoming a, you know, a well-known chef different than you'd imagined when you first started cooking? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was sort of, it happened very, whatever you would call that, it happened very quickly for me. I mean, it was a, a month process. I was a line cook in New York. I, at the request of a friend, sent in a videotape to be on some competition that I'd never seen and a month later, I'm filming a television show. Six weeks after that, we're on a television show. So it was such a quick process that I was just doing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And 
I wanted to try a new opportunity, and then I was sort of thrusted into this. I, I, not forcefully, but but I mean, I, ch- I chose to do it. But it was a good it was a good break for a while, but um, for a month. But um, but and then and then it was just it, it was so instant that I didn't really understand it, and I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't even know what I was doing. I mean, I, it was it was so foreign to me the whole the whole concept. I mean, of at the, at restaurants I've worked at, we've done competitions for fun late at night after we've drunk, and you know, it was <laughs> after we drank drank alcohol and and you know, just use leftovers and stuff that we were going to throw away and and compete, a la Iron Chef. But I'd never done anything like it, and I'd never been in front of a camera, and so it was all it was all very instantaneous for me. Do you, do you think that if instead of season two you had done like season six and you had seen the show and you knew what were expected and you knew what the lightning round was, and do you think you would have changed the way that you went into things? Probably not. I mean, I was I, I went into it just with a complete open mind because I was I was so unaware of it. So it wasn't, and it wasn't a super popular show yet. You know, it, it had gotten really good reviews. It was, I, I'd heard that it was the, the one that's not embarrassing to go on. <laughs> so, so I was like, fine, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. And I, and I was doing, I mean, I was, I was just working, working in New York and, and just doing what I wanted to do. And, and it was, I, I think, I mean, if you want to, separate the competition just for a second, sure. but I think going into it having no real responsibility and not owning my own business and not, not having all this stuff holding me back at home, I think it was an advantage to me just, just in that, that I was just sort of young, had an open mind, and I had no, nothing re- restraining me for that. What was, was it hard to go back on the line after that? No, no, it wasn't hard at all. I mean, it was... It was it's weird because we did it, and then you go back home like nothing happened. You know, you're, you're just back. Nobody knows. It's not on TV yet. You know, there's no promotion for it. Nobody really knew. Only a couple of friends of mine knew that, that I'd been away doing it, and so it was just it was totally back to normal. And then it started going on television. And then being in an open kitchen that is like a fishbowl on 17th and Irving Street, a block away from Union Square, it, it became... It became very apparent to how popular the show was. Susan, you—you'd obviously been a, a well-known chef in Los Angeles before you did television. I mean, in the in the '80s, I think you know even Mary Sue's hair was a celebrity, yeah. <laughs> independent of the rest of her. Yeah. And when you, when you started when you started filming your series. Um, how, how, how are things different? How did it, things change at the restaurant? Well, I think, um, you know, that's so long ago. God, I can, I'm not even sure it, mm-hmm. you and me and Nancy can remember those. You guys are, you know, young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you are too. But, you know, that was 19, well, 1981 is when we opened City Cafe. So I think... Um, you know, when it just sort of happened that we did, I think we went on um, Food Network. It was when Food Network was first starting, and I think we went on to do maybe, 
I think it was our second cookbook was coming out. We went on to do a show for it. And we had done, I think, a little bit of TV at that point. Like with Julia, we had done, I think, Cooking with Master Chefs already at that point. And so we had done some TV for sure. Um, so it, it didn't, didn't feel that, you know, I didn't really quite get it. We went on and did the show for the book. And then they asked, at some point asked if, I remember our very first time ever really doing TV was when, before we opened City Restaurant in 84, and it was um, on KCT, and they had called us, they wanted to do a show called Turning Points and follow us for like six weeks with a camera, and both Mary Sue and I said, no, no, we don't want to be bothered with that. And then I think we told someone, and someone said, well, are you out of your mind? Let them follow you. So I think that was our first sort of awareness of a little bit of the power of that. And so when we started, um, when we, I think we went on and then we did like a week of cooking shows, but even then I don't think we really felt it then until we started to really then film Two Hot Tamales. And at that point, you know, we, we would fly to New York because they were only filming in New York and we would do six shows a day is what we filmed. Um, six shows a day, you started at like six in the morning and finished at six at night. And then we would go out and party all night and, you know, and <laughs> come back six in the morning. It felt like a short day. And so I think, um, you know, once that started happening, like Jonathan said, I think we ended up doing like 400 and something shows. And I think once that happened, we started to see a change. Um, certainly there was that thing that happened where we would walk down the street in New York and like a fireman would say, mm -hmm. my God, the two hot tamales. So there was something there that was sort of cool about that. And I think, you know, we were on because we were the, some of the first shows, so we were on a lot. So we were on like in the morning and then we were on in the day and then we were on like at three in the morning. So mm -hmm. everybody that couldn't sleep watched us. So, you know, there's the fireman, you know, like thinking that. So it definitely changed. We started to see business, I mean, definitely more awareness and, you know, more than you get like when we'd get an article in the LA Times, it mm -hmm. was a, a bigger hit for sure. And you'd start to see business, like all of a sudden business would happen at six in the afternoon, or six, I sort of think mm -hmm. of that as breakfast, but six, <laughs> and then, you know, like at 11. So you really, yeah. it's, you started to feel it hitting other than the biz, busy time. So mm. for sure, we started to see a change of that. But I think for me, I always have sort of thought, just keep your eye on the restaurant business and whatever else that brings is sort of gravy. And it'll either stay or it'll go and just to stay focused on the restaurant business. And I feel like even in all these years of doing it, that's my sort of motto is that, is that that's just sort of extra and it probably won't last and, and it does sometimes and it doesn't. And so you just sort of like let it do what it's going to do and stay focused on the restaurant business. When, when people came into the restaurant, were they looking to eat exactly what you cooked on the air? That was a strange experience, I have to say, when people would come into the restaurant and someone who I had no idea who they were would like come up and like give me a huge hug and I, <laughs> you know, act like I, they were my best friend and, you know, and so... I don't think it was so much about that, what it was that they had seen on the show. It was more, there was definitely this 
thing of familiarity. Like people would come in and totally feel like, I know you, I like we're like that. It, it sort of bridges that thing. And for some reason it did that, I think. And that's sort of a cool thing because I think in our business it's about hospitality and giving back and sort of feeling like you're having people in your home, even if you don't know them. There's something really wonderful, I think for, I'm assuming for all of us in the restaurant business of, your restaurant is like your home. And so when people come in, you feel like you're having guests over. And so that really, it just sort of expanded that thing and that it, it really expanded your family of friends in that way that restaurant people have friends that you don't even know who they are, but it sort of yeah. expanded that. Um, Ludo, you, you came to, you, you came to, I guess, fame, notoriety in a very different way from other people here. You, you cooked in, uh, downstairs we were talking and, and you were saying, like, you know, I don't, I don't have the biggest bread company in the United States. And, you know, I, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't win Top Chef and I, <laughs> I mean, I went two times on Top Chef Master, yeah. and guess what? I lost two times. Okay? <laughs> I went to Iron Chef, and I lost too. I mean, I'm famous because of that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. And, and, and he's saying, you know, you know, why am I up here? Why, you know, why am I a celebrity? And I'm like looking at him and saying, when. The last incarnation of Ludobites opened. Um, the entire run of the restaurant sold out in 20 minutes and crashed open table. <laughs> may, 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 may it just, you know, dissolve into a puddle of circuits <laughs> on the floor. And that's, that's something. I mean, it's because the style of cooking that, that you're doing that... Um, I mean, the idea that you're coming from the sort of kitchens where you cook for, you know, very few people with an awful lot of money. And, <laughs> I mean, to, to, cooking, to cooking at places where your, your friends can go and eat, where people that you meet can go and eat, where people talk about you on the internet as if you're their very best buddy, and sometimes it seems like you actually may be. <laughs> and well, I mean, you know, when uh, when I created Ludobite, you know, yeah. it was more a concept for my friend. Because right. all my life I work in fine dining room, and to just be behind the wall and being white with the talk and take myself seriously and cook just for the food critic. Mm -hmm. Cook for uh, <laughs> cook for the I don't want to say the rich people, but you go to Laurentia, Bastide, costs a lot of money, and I was just tired of that, and I decided to do a little bite, and to be more affordable to people. I want to cook for everybody. I realized to be a chef is not just to cook. With, I mean, to I don't want people need to spend 150 bucks to go to my restaurant. So I create this concept, you know, little bite, where I'm going to be more aff affordable and uh, try to cook what people like to. I don't be selfish, just cook for myself. And uh, to be more accessible to people too, you know, because when you are at the restaurant, most of the time we are behind the wall. And 
and I never speak with the customer, and uh, I never create this relationship with the customer. And I think food is, is to bring people together, and to meet people and talk about food. You know, it's to create life in the restaurant, and that's what we did with my wife. You know, with Chrissy mm -hmm. at the restaurant, we really create something like make you feel like in your house. I mean, in my house, you don't pay for food, but yeah. but you know, but it, it was it was when you did Ludo Bite, it was just that, you know. I just want to cook food. Leave me alone. I don't want to cook for the food critic, for the rich people, I mean, whatever, you know. Leave me alone. I just want my freedom. You know, it was just I want to cook. I want to, my freedom and cook with my freedom, or I want to die. That's it. You know, it was. Mm -hmm. And after we become, uh, I mean, I did Top Chef Master uh, two times. I lost two mm -hmm. times. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was on TV maybe like 10 minutes, you know, that's it. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm famous because they make me look like a crazy French chef, you know, like, a, like an asshole. Like, I'm not, guys, I'm not. You know, trust me, on TV, they cut it a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> but I guess, you know, it makes me famous. I mean, I think people, because they saw me on TV, they are very interesting to meet me and to test my food. I think so. And you know what, I think, uh, if I'm a celebrity now because that, I, I say thank you because now because that, you know, people come to eat to my restaurant because they're intrigued about me and they want to test my food. So just for that, I'm happy to be a celebrity and to just, uh, you know, to just cook gastronomic food to people where before it was not very possible for me to cook for everybody at L'Orangerie au Bastide, but now I'm very thankful because the celebrity, whatever think, now everybody can come to my restaurant and come for the food. And I think that's, that's magical. It's, it's something like, I mean, to bring a smile to people in their face, you just when they see me or eat my food, I mean, it's great, you know, that's the best reward, you know. I don't need to, be, to win 10 times the James Beer Foundation for our happiness, mm -hmm. Nancy, you know. <laughs> but no, I'm joking, I'm, te I'm teasing you, of course. Nancy, you know the French, the French humor. You don't see me on Top Chef Master? No. You, you have a TV? No. Bon. But, uh, no, but you know, I mean, I'm very happy if I'm a celebrity, maybe, but uh, you know, to just, because with that, people come to my restaurant to try my food, and I cook my, the gastronomic food to people, and people don't realize what I'm doing at the restaurant. It was what I was doing at Bastide or Orangerie. Good food, gastronomic food. You know, people don't realize that. And, uh, yeah, stop me because I'm going to talk for an hour. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. But, and it's good for LA too, you know. I, want, I really want to support, you know, Los Angeles with that and a new generation of cook, new generation of customer too, you know. I mean, go ahead. Because we just have uh, 20 minutes left. Uh, I mean, do, do, you, do you think that uh, being known on a certain level allows you to be more experimental than you would be otherwise? Oh, it, does it allow you to do things in the kitchen to try new things out in a way? Uh, yes, I mean, yeah, because that, you know, I try a lot of new things, you know, and if you don't like, don't come. <laughs> That's it, you know, I cannot please everybody, you know, sorry guys. But no, you know, you, I mean, yes, with that, I mean, I mean, you pack, you know, you, you pack for three months, so you know what, yes, I can do what I want to and try new things. You know, it gives me a lot of freedom, too, on my menu. On my menu, on my music, I mean, everything, you know. And 
Did you think if you were still at a restaurant like Laurentierie that you or Bestie that you would be able to put kimchi on your menu? Or (laughs) maybe not. Mm-hmm. And one time at Bastide, mm-hmm. yes, but not anymore, no. Mm-hmm. But now we have a new chef at uh, Bastide called Joe Picta. Yeah. <laughs> Joe jo Picta, the chef now. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I mean, now, you know, like I say, you know, I did this concept because I want my freedom. I don't want to cook for anybody else. I, want, I don't want to cook for honor. I don't want to cook for, you know, I don't want people to control me. And maybe I'm successful now because, because of TV too, but because it's me now. It's really 100% Ludo. It's me. It's, nothing is more important in life to have your freedom. I guess you all know that, Chef. You all own your restaurant. Not me yet. I don't have a restaurant now. But <laughs> I realize, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, to have your freedom is magical. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's really you. And finally, Ludo Bite, it's me. And could you talk for a second about your relationship to the Internet? Uh, internet? Uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Facebook and Twitter, yeah. I mean, I love uh, Facebook and Twitter, you know. Uh, Twitter, you know, I love to express myself. And uh, (laughs) as people know, you know, and uh, no, I like to tell people what's going on. I wake up in the morning, uh, my wife pisses me off, or uh, my my fish gets stuck at the border, uh, uh, my cook, they all drive me nuts, I'm babysitting every day, uh, this customer pisses me off. Somebody don't like my shrimp. I mean, I love to express myself, and I want people to see what's the real life of the chef. People have no idea what's the real life of the chef. It's so hard. It's so much pressure. You know, and, and speaking about celebrity chef, you know, now I have all these kids who want to be a chef now, and they come to the kitchen, and after two weeks, they quit. So, my God, it's too hard. It's hard. Yes, I mean, you know, cooking is hard. So I like to tweet about all my life. I want people to realize what is the life of a chef. Not celebrity, but a chef, you know. It's... It's a lot of hours. I mean, you know, look, Nancy, you know, she, she worked for a long time, and Sue, too, you know. It's, you look great, actually, you know. <laughs> but you cook for a long time, guys, you know. I mean, we look great. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, but I love to use Twitter, you know, for yeah. marketing, for tell people what am I special, to tell if I'm in bad mood, you know, like I like to say I'm in bad mood tonight, you know, just leave me alone. You know, don't bother me. If you come tonight to Ludo Bite, don't bother me, you know, don't look at me, let me cook. But it's, it's cool to tell people what's going to the restaurant, and people, I think, they like that too, you know. Yeah. Look, chef, we are all an actor. I'm an actor. Every night I act in the restaurant. I am. You know, people see me in the restaurant, and sometimes I scream, and you know, or take a picture for like one hour with the ladies, and that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't cook at the restaurant, I'm just taking pictures. <laughs> Sometimes people arrive at a restaurant, they right away they want to picture with a chef. And I tell them, you know, can I cook before? And... <laughs> but Nancy, I'm sure she's not next. Because, no, but you know, Jonathan, it's. it's uh... <laughs> Just everything? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, because I have a message I want to pass. It's very important to tell people what is a, a celebrity chef. So. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I, lo- I love. No, but you know, it's. I will say something, you know. I mean, please. I work all my life, you know, in the, in the best restaurant mm-hmm. in my life in France, you know, and Russia. And now I'm, I'm very famous for my chicken bowl. I love it. <laughs> like sometimes I'm in the street, people say, oh, that's a chicken, guys. <laughs> you imagine? Yeah, I hear Colonel Sanders complains about oh, that too. too. Yeah. <laughs> 
Bon, Nancy, next. You've had either the, the blessing or the curse of possibly for, I mean, more than 25 years, people have sort of obsessed on one aspect or another of what it is that you do. One, one thing of, of your cooking, you know, for, you know, you, you know it, was, it was pastries for a while, it was ice cream for a while. Um, you know, we're all lucky that it's, you know, mozzarella now, except when it's focaccia. <laughs> and then it's bread, and it was, it was cheese for a while. And, um, and people, since you've been at Spago, have come in with, like, really specific expectations of what they want from you. And as, as a chef, as somebody who's doing this night after night, what... What do you feel about that? How do you react to that? Well, you know, first of all, I want to say that of all of my colleagues here, I'm the <laughs> one that is not a celebrity because I have never been on uh, the TV show that has gotten the amount of acclaim that... You, top Chef, what yeah, are you talking about? I think to be a celebrity is not just about TV shows, about your cookbook, your food. Well, I don't know because I think that, like, what, what does it mean to be a celebrity? I think that... I'm recognized in my town, but I'm not recognized outside my town, you know, and because of television. What? I'm not. Oh, you go to New York or people? Well, in restaurants, maybe. In the restaurant world, I am. But I'm, mm. not, yeah. I'm not that kind of celebrity, meaning that when I go someplace, I still need to use my last name. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Right? You probably don't have to use your last name. I'm Nancy Silverton. I'm not Mario. I'm not Emeril. I'm not Wolfgang, right? Those are the celebrities in the world. And I think that, um, well, I think that uh, there's something to be said by that. And I know that listening to a lot of my friends that were on uh, Top Chef Masters, for instance, they talked about how much, even as sort of as famous and how popular the restaurants were, Susan, Rick Bayless, mm-hmm. Right? Talked about being on those shows, how much more busy their restaurants were, how much more famous they were, how much more recognized they were. And I've never had that experience because I've never been asked to be someone. No, 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 it's not, no, I just, I just haven't. And so that, that part of the celebrity life, I don't know, you know, and I'm really proud to say that I was there when the celebrity chef was born, and that was Wolfgang. And I mean, I know that Susan worked with Wolfgang pre-celebrity chef at Mommy's Own, but I worked at, with Wolfgang at uh, Spago, and that's when that word became, or was in our vocabulary. Before Wolfgang, there was no such thing as celebrity chef. And you knew that he had made it when a sitcom could mention the word Spago, and obviously... Everyone in the country knew what Spago was, and Spago was a household word, and Spago was a household word because of Wolfgang. And I think that there is um, a lot to be said about how that has brought importance to our industry, to a certain respect, and there are the positive parts and the negative parts, you know, and I think that the negative for me is that people now get into cooking for all the wrong reasons, and one is that they want to be stars, right? And that's not a reason to cook. 
a reason to cook is because you, uh, for why we're all up here, because we love to cook and we love to uh, feed people and we love to make people happy, right? But I think that too many people are getting into the business now because, well, for all those wrong reasons that they too be, be, have the potential of becoming a star, right? I think some of the positive parts is that I think there's a whole generation of young people that are made aware of cooking because they watch cooking shows, right? And I think that that's great. And there's a lot of great ones out there. I don't myself watch them, sorry, but, but, uh, but I know there are, are great. I don't either. And I think that there's also a lot out there that are not great for our industry. There's a lot out there that are people that are cooking that are not knowledgeable about food and they don't have anything to teach. I think in the old days when we watched the Mario shows and the Emerald shows and the two hot tamale shows, we could watch them and we could learn something about food. We could learn something about food culture and we could learn something about uh, history and we could learn how to cook. And now I think there's so many people that are on the cooking shows that don't have anything to teach us. They could tell us to add basil because it's pretty and they could say, uh, right, I mean, right, and we don't need to watch them, right, right? Uh, they can say, uh, they, there's all sorts of information out there that really is useless, and yet we watch it, and they're popular, and they're celebrities, you know, and so I think that when Jonathan said, come talk with me on this panel about celebrities, I didn't know if I was really one of the qualified people to talk because I'm not a celebrity and I have no desire to be a celebrity. And I have to say with the people, because I know them that are with me, I think that they are celebrities, but that wasn't their intention. Yeah, and, and I want to say, just to add to what Nancy's saying, where I think um, TV has hurt our industry is for exactly what Nancy pointed out, is that young kids, like Next Food Network star, those shows, take someone who have a minimal amount of experience, put them into a place where all of a sudden they're getting... Food experts. Yes, something. they're food experts getting tons of attention, they're getting you know money thrown at them, or they, it's easy enough to go out and raise it to open a restaurant. And the problem with that is that they skip the years of time that I think is important for developing those skills, for management skills, for learning about food and techniques. And so what happens is that, you know, some, many of them may fail, which is also part of learning, but that it really sort of has, now you see where Food Network and everything has gone. It's now not really about learning and education. Now it's about, you know, Top Chef, Top Chef Masters, it's competition, it's re reality shows. And there's something about that that's, I think, for our industry, sad. You take a show like one of the Julia shows, and you look at that, and it was incredibly entertaining and fun, but she was wonderfully smart and knowledgeable, and you learned when you'd watch that. And to see where that's gone, I think that's sort of a shame if we're calling that cooking shows. And so people that sometimes come from that and think that they're ready to do that or come to be hired to be a sous chef when in reality they should be a prep cook. You know, that's where I think it really has hurt our industry. 
I mean, to me, a celebrity chef is someone like Nancy, is someone like, mm -hmm. like you, Susan, who, who have worked their way up and become... Can you say my name, guys? I'll, 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 I've, no, no, please, I've got, no, chef. I've got a separate chef, part about it. That's perfect. That's perfect. Ladies first. Come on. Um, but, so, but someone who, who's become, become famous and become respected in the industry just for what they're doing and, and has you know, worked hard and put in the hours and put in the years that it takes to become, you know, to, to gain notoriety from just doing your craft and doing it well and continuing to do it on a regular basis. And, and that to me and to I, hopefully all of my, my friends that cook, that, that is what a celebrity chef is to me. You know, um, you know Alain Ducasse is a celebrity chef to me. Uh, Marco Pierre White is a celebrity chef to me. Gordon Ramsay, even with all the crazy shows now, he's still, because he did it from the ground up. Every, all these people have done it from the ground up. And to me, that's who I celebrate in the world of culinary. So it's, it's not... A, you know, there are very few people on television that I would consider a celebrity chef. Who know how to cook. Yeah, I mean... I, I mean, you have so many celebrity chefs. They're on TV. They don't know how to cook. Yeah, they don't know they how don't. to cook anything. No, no, no. I mean, it's, that's what pissed me off the most. <laughs> no, seriously. No, it's very, absolutely. It's, it's very, uh, you know, I mean, we all work so hard. I worked for 25 years, you know, in the kitchen. You know, like you say, the bottom to the top. You know, it takes time. Things don't come like this. You need to be patient. But when you watch TV, you know, it just sometimes it draws the wrong message about, about cooking. Right. The wrong message. Also, you know, the unfortunate part is that uh, today it's not only being a good cook and having a nice restaurant that makes you successful. And uh, the other side is that temptation for, uh, for what television can bring to your restaurant. And I do remember when... Susan was asked to be on MasterChef. She did call me, and she said, are you going to be doing this? And I'm like, no. But she said, you know, they've asked me to do it. I've never done anything like this before. Or should I do it? What do you think? It's going to help business. Should I do it? And all I said to her is that I will believe in her as much as I do, right? She's a great cook, and I understood why she did it. And... Uh, she did it because in today's economy and in today's competition uh, or competitive restaurants, it's some of those TV chefs that are the ones that are the most successful. And I know that it brought a ton of business to your restaurant. And I know that it did to, as I said earlier, to a lot of the other people that I knew that competed in, in that series. I mean, and I know, I think you did have a lot of fun in the end. It was yeah. hard. But I know that you did it because it was a business choice. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was two, two things for me. The first year they asked me, I said, absolutely not. And I was opening streets, so it was a great excuse. The second year, um, I had, you know, called Nancy and a couple other people that were on, and I said, absolutely not again. And then many, uh, many of our managers in our restaurant said, you have to do it, you have to do it. And I had sort of thought to myself, well, you just opened street. You're, do, you're playing for a charity. I can get the name of Scleroderma out right. there. Mm -hmm. So if I could, all I prayed for was, I just don't want to lose in round one. I said that for his He was, was on purpose. He was set. He was set. He was on purpose. <laughs> so, you know, he was set. 
So, you, you know, know at, at any rate, I think for me it was, yeah, if so you can do it now. for a charity <laughs> and you can raise thing. awareness, it's fantastic too. So you know, the combination was, the combination of that was great. The, the problem, TV, you know, like TV, Top Chef Master. They don't like. There's no shame in doing, doing it if, if, like you said, if it's for good cause, if you know how to cook, if you have something behind you, if you have something to promote. And if you don't take it too seriously. Yeah. I think no, if you I'm... go on taking... <laughs> it's a competition. If you, yeah, it's a competition. And he's It's French. a competition. <laughs> I, and know, one of the things we were talking about earlier, Jonathan, is yeah. totally off subject, but one of the things we were talking about earlier was what an incredible restaurant city L.A. is because we have... And Nancy and I were, we, I had City, we opened City on La Brea 84, and you owned Camp, uh, Campanile when? In uh, 89. So we were like neighbors, and, we, and we'd known each other from working for Wolf, and so we all always call each other about everything. Like, what should we do? Do you know anyone that can come work for us? Do you have an extra employee? Do you know a manager? So it's a very close, wonderful community, and I think... You know, to be in a city where people who, that are in the restaurant business feel like they can share that and care and ask each other for input. And it's really, I mean, I think we have a very special restaurant environment here in the city. At least that's how it's always been for us. It's really wonderful. Not necessarily for <laughs> No, but, <laughs> no. but for Finnish Top Chef Master, yeah. they don't like good, good cook like me. Yeah. They, they want some cook who's doing drama on TV. Don't that's for that. I'm just... They bought me off the first round because I'm not good enough for TV. Because I don't speak English enough good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think they did say it was, do you speak English No, but you know, it's not, uh, to be on a Top Chef Master or whatever, it's not just about talent, you know, just... Mm -hmm. No, we'll be on the final, you know. I'm joking. So, um... There is, there is the... There is the sort of, like, TV-driven, I guess, we're using the word celebrity. Um... But there's also that big a chef's network, or big, not the food network, but a big a network, network of food. I mean, I know you're, you're flying off to events two or three times a month. You're, you know, you're, you're flying off to events. There's things like you know, the, the, the Meals on Wheels thing here. There's the, you know, there's the big one in New York. There's the... Um, the books and cooks in Philadelphia. There's all James the Beard, James Beard, yeah, and that there's there's definitely seems to be this um, you know gr group of you know 50 chefs who are like the chefs. I mean, who are the ones that everybody thinks of? Who are the ones in that city? Who are the ones who win James Beard awards? Who are the ones? you know, whose restaurants are considered um, to be among the best in the towns. And what, I'm, and what I've been wondering is, has television changed, changed, or the modern idea of celebrity changed this at all? I mean, do people um, suddenly become stars within that world, I guess the, tr the traditional food world, because they've become famous otherwise, or is that network pretty much the same as it always has been? 
You know, I still think of uh, the celebrity chef as beyond like the foodie right. chef, right? I still think of it as the television chef, yeah. you know? And, uh, you know, when I was uh, just a couple weeks ago, uh, my partner Mario, who doesn't need a last name because he's a celebrity chef, <laughs> opened this, uh, opened up a huge uh, grocery store in uh, Manhattan called Italy. And um, I was there for the opening, mm -hmm. and I watched him, and he could not take two steps before somebody from somewhere in the country wanted to take a picture with him, just like he was any other television mm -hmm. celebrity. And so I still, you know, again, think of that celebrity as someone that is at least nationally known because of the media of television more so than a foodie groupie, you know. Certainly I can go to another restaurant and someone will come up and say, oh, I've been to your restaurant, I love your restaurant, I, you know, can I take a picture of you? But that's only in a food situation. You know, mm -hmm. again, a person like a Mario, an Emerald, a Gordon Ramsay, they're known in a much wider circle. Well, I, I think if, actually if you say the word Nancy almost anywhere no. in West Los Angeles, People know who they're talking about. Drew, Nancy Drew, Nancy Sinatra, <laughs> Nancy Reagan. Maybe it's just when I talk about okay. those things. I don't know. Well, there's yeah. different. I think there's, yeah. there's different, different levels yeah. of. There's no question. I think there's the food, the people who are in the food world that are well respected for their work in the food world, for sure. And, you know, I mean, so you take someone like Nancy, no question, like out there in that world, everywhere, LA. everyone mm -hmm. in the food world knows it. So there's a, before TV ever happened, there was that celebrity chef thing that was there and clearly there, and it was about food talent. Mm -hmm. The TV world, I think, has taken it, you know, to a different place. And some of it are chefs that have worked really hard in the food world, and then they get that thing that you're talking about. And then some of them are young kids, or not young, that make it in the TV world, and they're not chefs, and they get that celebrity thing happening. Now, I don't know down the road how those people that have made it in that world that don't have the experience, will that have the endurance? Will it last? That's, my guess is it won't. If they don't have the experience, they won't last the 20 five years. You know, they won't be there in 25 years because eventually that will wear off if the talent isn't there. That's what I think. So I think that's maybe short-lived if, if you just get that without the experience. That's, I yeah, think. But then, then there's, you have to think about the aspect of, of why those people were chosen to be on television. It's, it's a combination of their personality or their likability or, you know, there are some people that they'll put on Food Network, or many people that they'll put on F Food Network, because people at home can relate to them. And they're like, oh, I can do this. This, is, this person's just like me. So there's a huge sort of like area of that where, where you know, people at home don't necessarily want to watch a professional chef cooking professional chef food from their restaurant, where they want to do something that's accessible to them. So, I mean, I wouldn't consider those people chefs at all, but there's, there's a huge market for that. I mean, that's sort of the way Food Network has turned around into, and that's why, I guess, the, that new one, the Cooking Channel, sprung up, which is much more food-driven and chef-driven than 
than the other channel. Okay. I have one last question for you, and then I think we have to go to questions. Um, Elon, it, it seems to me in a lot of ways that you have structured the Gorbals to be almost an anti-celebrity restaurant. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful location, but it's an, un, it's an unglamorous location. Nobody really finds it unless they're looking for it. Um, you, you, do, you, don't have, you don't have a flashy wine list. Your prices are pretty low. The, 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 the place is bare. There's a great energy to it, but it's not... You would be hard-pressed to call it a, a glamorous dining experience. No. And, and, and my, my sense... With very good food. And very, very good food. And, and my sense is, is that's almost intentional that there's almost like this perversity of saying you know I'm you know I'm not the TV guy I'm a chef this is what I'm doing this is where I'm doing and this is how I'm doing it and it's is that close well I this is the thing I wanted to I made a very selfish restaurant I wanted it to be a restaurant that I I and my friends would love to go to so you know sort of a things that I love to eat bits and pieces, things that are not glamorous on some restaurant menus and other places, I mean, I guess they would be. I mean, I just saw an amazing special about Paris, and they're, they're doing some great, beautiful stuff there. But, um, but just, you know, bone marrow, organs, stuff that I love, stuff that, that most people would throw away, or, or hot, lots of restaurants would throw away. It's just, it's stuff that I love to eat, and, and it's not... It's not a fancy dining experience. It's not, you're not going to get proper wine service. It's going to be like pub service with just really good food. And there's no, there's no frills. There's no extra, extra fancy stuff going on. It's just good food, good wine. And for me, it was just what I wanted, where I wanted to be. And I, I mean, I spend most of my time there. My girlfriend will tell you. But, um, <laughs> but so it's, it's just, yes. Yes, it wasn't, I didn't want to do anything flashy, I didn't want to do anything fancy. And so it, was, it wasn't intentional to, to, dis, to detach myself from, from whatever I've done, but it was just sort of my opportunity. And then also, I mean, in a, in a sense, I was given the ability to do it and to have some press around it so that people would actually come to it. So it wouldn't just be, you know, stuck in the middle of a Section 8 housing hotel. <laughs> and, you know, I would just be sitting there with, myself um you know so and my friends and so it 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 helped it helped in that sense but yeah i mean yeah it was that's that's what i wanted that's what i've always wanted so tv did give you that opportunity tv tv gave me the opportunity yeah giving right just like it's giving voltage what's his name michael voltage i'm happy to be i'm happy to be a celebrity to get people to get come to my restaurant to eat my food i'm happy about that you know, because before, you know, I worked I work for 25 years, you know, under the, uh, behind the wall, nobody really know me before, you know, and because now the TV, people come to my restaurant, come to eat my food, I'm very happy about that. And you know what, and I'm very happy for Los Angeles too, to support the city and, you know, to put Los Angeles everywhere, you know, the magazine, the TV, you know, I represent Los Angeles, guys. I mean, that's good for us too, guys, you know, to just represent... Whatever, go ahead. No, but you know, it's that. To be a celebrity, I'm very happy. Yeah. Get people to my restaurant and eat my food. 
question is for uh, Susan and Nancy. I was curious, the times that you worked with Julia Childs on her shows, were they all that you expected it to be, or was the diff uh, experience different than what you expected? She was magnificent. You know, she was genuine and warm and gracious and, you know, giving and just funny and smart and could drink us all under the table and, <laughs> you know. She was, I mean, it was way more than I ever, I never imagined I'd be with her. And when I was, I couldn't imagine it being better. Yeah, we did the first one, you know, the first uh, one that I have a picture in my office of me and Nancy and Mary Sue and someone else, another Honest, woman with Julia. Yep, yeah, I have it too. About a hundred years ago. You know, my, my, it was, uh, it was her first series that she did. It was called uh, Cooking. My phone is up. Yeah. Cooking with Master Chefs, I believe it was. Not baking, right? Because yeah, I did yeah. one later. So my first one, um, as much as... Uh, my first one was a really difficult one with her. And it was because uh, her first shoot was with me making bread. And uh, they were just figuring out how they were going to produce the show anyway. So I was sort of the guinea pig. And I was doing TV for the first time. So... It wasn't a great match. And so what happened was that um, she was sitting right in front of me so that we were, uh, at, her series changed later on and she, you actually cooked next to her side by side. And I thought those series were much more successful. But she sat right in front of us and so we were looking at her and she was uh, very, uh, yeah, she was She's typing up the recipes <laughs> as you were talking, right? So... You were on stage, and, and, and as everybody knows, I don't, have to, uh, I don't have to ruin for anybody that a lot of things on TV, a lot of parts are made ahead of time, and you slip in a lot of things. And so, first of all, I, uh, it was non-scripted, right? And so I remember getting up there and starting to talk and teaching her, and that's what I was supposed to do, teaching her how to make a loaf of bread. So I started to teach her. But they stopped me every three words because something I was doing was not right. I was covering the bowl. I was looking up. I wasn't looking down. And they would have to keep saying, you know, take it from there. And, and I had to pull bread out of the oven that was ice cold and say, oh, it smells so good, you know. <laughs> and and finally, good. I just looked at them. And I don't even know. I, I was probably crying, but I don't know. And I finally had to say, look, at, I am not an actor. I am a cook, you know. It was really difficult. And... I walked away with it, and I thought, I will never, ever, ever do it again. And <laughs> three years later, she was doing her baking series, and they called me up, and they said, believe it or not, your show was the most successful of all the shows, and we want you to do the baking show. And, and they said, trust me, it's different. You're actually going to be in Julia's kitchen alongside with her, and you're going to cook together. And I did it the next time, and it was much more pleasurable. But after the one I did, they figured it out. They couldn't do it the way they did it, and you probably got had a much more successful show. But, but mine was really difficult. I just have to tell you that when we it was the same series that Nance was talking about, and Mary Sue and I were there, and Julia, it was, we started at like 5 in the morning, yeah. and she was sitting there with the typewriter, yeah. or the computer. She was like 3 feet away from you, and it was nonstop, her just like, like nonstop, like going, 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 going. And we went, we went until like one, we took a break. She had a beer and, <laughs> and we like, you know, we were all like, oh my God. And then she like threw the ball to the dog. Then we did it. We kept on filming to like, we filmed to like five. We finished at five or six. And then she said, okay, everybody come to my hotel. We went to her hotel, 
We started drinking there. Then I didn't we went get that to treatment. Border Grill, <laughs> had dinner that night, and at 11.30, she was still like wanting after dinner drinks. I'm not saying she drank a lot, but... <laughs> <laughs> but and we were getting up the next morning at five again. She was amazing. Yeah. But it was, they hadn't figured it out. So for me, it was really painful, really difficult. And I got to say, it really did uh, sort of sour my taste buds for television. How does celebrity impair uh, innovation? Either because it puts further constraints on your time or that you feel that maybe you don't want to injure some of that and so you'll rein yourself in a bit. How has it impaired you? But with my concept, with the pop-up restaurant, if I need to, need to do a TV or whatever, I just close the restaurant. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, seriously, I mean, that's it. That's what I like about my concept. You know, it's, if I know, you know, I need to do a TV or whatever, I make sure when I do fix, pick my date for my business, I make sure to make sure I'm close if I need to go to TV or appearance or cooking demonstration or whatever. So it doesn't impair you at all. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, please, go ahead, Dylan. Yeah, your, your last run, you even closed on most Saturday nights, right? Yeah, why not? Because you're the only <laughs> chef in history to do it. Why not? It may have a pop-up restaurant, yeah. you know, I don't, you know. It's, I do like in France. We close Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. But now we're closed Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you know. Mm. <laughs> but it's I, true. I, you know, I think in answer that, I don't... I mean, I think for me, you know, if what you love to do is cook and be a chef, then that's what drives you. And there's plenty of things. I, I think there's plenty of things to stop you from being creative, like someone doesn't show up for work, you know, the toilet overflows, a food critic comes in, uh, you know, there's tons, you know, you've got a party that you're catering. There's tons of things to stop you from being able to have that freedom to just sort of explore and create. Running your business, you know, worrying about workers' comp, all that stuff. So what is it being a celebrity that any more, you know, I think restrictive than anything else? I, I don't think so. I don't think, I wouldn't think that any of us say, oh, I have to be careful about what I do. I don't think any of us are probably very careful. We just do, I think most of us do what we love to do. And that's to, you know, create food that we love to eat. We don't necessarily think so much about what you guys like to eat. We sort of think about what we like <laughs> to eat and that's sort of what inspires us. And there's plenty of things that can get in the way for sure to get creative. There's no question about that. My name is Marty, and um, at the risk of making it a long evening, I have sort of an open-ended question for Ludo. Um, <laughs> you, you, uh, you came up in, in the French system, and sort of the rules changed when you came here, and you worked for some celebrity chefs there, certainly internationally known chefs. Uh -huh. Just kind of wondering, have you thought about how your career changed and with your decision to come here and what you know, people like Minot and uh, Gagnier might make of what's happened to you? What Meno or Gagnier think about me, uh, I know Mark Meno is very pissed off with me bec <laughs> because all my tattoos, I know that, and my piercing, so I know that. Actually, he called me like two weeks ago and uh, called me just to con congratulate me for all my success now, which was amazing to have your mentor to call you from France, from middle of Burgundy, and 
know about what's going on about me in America. It was a great reward. But uh, what's the question exactly? If if uh, if um, um, if I think my career was more easy for me. I don't want to say more easy, but I became the head chef at Laurent Jury at 25 years old. He helped me a lot, you know, to just be the head chef at 25 years old. But yes and no. I wish I can just travel more, travel more around the world and get some more idea and, and not be a chef right away at 25 years old. It was good for me, but it was bad for me too. That's what I try to explain to all my chefs. Don't, be, don't become a chef too young. Try, take your time. Learn, learn a lot. It's all about cooking. It's all about learning every day to get inspiration from everybody, from everywhere. So, yeah, but definitely I think uh, it was good for me to be a, a French chef in America. I, I, I think so. Definitely it helped. Definitely, you know. And definitely to be a head chef at Laurentry. You know, if I was starting to be a, a line cook, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say any name, but to little restaurant, it'd be more difficult, huh? Oh, but no. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, no, definitely it helped to be, a, be the head chef at Laurent Jury, the five mobile machin, and, you know, I mean, he helped. He was, I would say I, I, it was an easy way, but I worked very hard before in France. I have a very hard training, French training, with a lot of people don't have an idea what it is to have a real French training. And I think we're missing that in America to really train the chef like we do in France. You know, like, like in my concept, Rue de Bite, all my cooks are next to me, and I think they realize the luck, the luck they have because they're next to me. I teach them. I'm with them all day, you know, and I, every day in my kitchen. You know, my concept is I'm every day in my kitchen. It's love. And, my, my, and I think is, um, it's a great, great concept and great to just teach the cook, you know, my third job, I always, like I say, it's to be, to teach my staff how to cook. That's my third job. So, you know, whatever, I don't know if I answered your question or what. I hope you, you understand. Uh, I have a question on a totally different, um, from a different direction. Uh, I saw this documentary, Food Incorporated, and watching it, I was in tears. Because it, it really showed how food is manufactured for, you know, probably 99% of the population. And my question, I don't know, I, you all are probably aware of the film, if you, even if you haven't seen it, but Food Incorporated, I recommend everybody take a look at this film. Um, as chefs, celebrity, and, and, and non-celebrity, can you do something about this? I think you can be very careful on how you source your food and to support the... Uh, the farmers and the growers and the people in the industry that um, are uh, growing and producing food in a method that uh, you support. And we certainly try to do it at Moza, and I'm sure we all try to do it as best we can. And I think it's really important. I think that's a great question and an important question. It's all, I mean, it's also... You know, people, I, I, get, I get called out from people in the restaurant when they ask, I'll, I'll get some people that'll be strictly, you know, is this organic, is this organic? And I think being a chef, you always want to get the best product. I mean, always, because you, you just want to cook with the best product. You can always come out with the best end product. And, and so it's sort of a non-issue. Like, I would automatically, whatever I can get that's, that's 
local and organic and and humanely. you know humanely humanely yes. processed and and you know it's sort of a it's not even it's not something I would mention because it's something that would should be automatic sort of in my head and I think that with the growth of people people being more aware of food and higher end food or quality food in the country that it'll all sort of trickle down and hopefully sort of destroy the big food industry. And I... Let's hope. I think it, that we um, all take little steps. So, you know, by su supporting like Monterey Bay Aquarium and what they're saying are, you know, if you guys go to seafoodwatch.org, you'll see what fish is being sustainably fished. You'll know where it's being overfished, what we're in danger of. If we continue in a certain way of buying products out there, fish, for example, certain fish that's being overfished or fished poorly, that at some point that will disappear. So our role, I think, often is, and it might even be a little bit different with what you're saying, is that I think our role is to put that out there so that you, because it's challenging enough for us to understand what those things we can do, small steps, if we can put it out there to the public so they understand, okay, we can go, we can go watch and see what seafoodwatch.org is saying. That way we'll know when we're out buying, we know what to buy and what not to buy. The reason Chilean sea bass got taken off everybody's menu is because we as the, in the food service industry all fell in love with it. Everybody served it. The public started loving it. And suddenly there, were no, there was no more Chilean sea bass in the ocean. And if we continued, we'd never have it again. So, you know, or tuna and the high mercury count. So I think we all take big steps that are small steps in the big picture, but big steps for our industry to try to improve on that and help our customer to know what we're believing in and why and you know, what, what, you, what you try to say is we need to be chef, we need to be responsible. Yeah. What we feed to people. Yeah. It's in a simple way. And we need to educate. Yeah, for but sure. But I think that, you know, now that, you know, the subject of this panel is celebrity chefs, and one of the celebrity chefs that is doing so much as far as educating is Jamie Oliver. And he's, yeah. he's really uh, an example of a fantastic chef. I mean, it's everything that a celebrity chef should be. He's talented. He, uh, he's a great cook. Uh, he is educating us, and I think that he deserves that celebrity status more so than most of the people out there. And he's really doing a great thing for our industry. Well, yeah, my question actually, you kind of addressed it a little earlier, but I want to take it even further, is basically the selling out of the celebrity chef industry. In other words, the how far is too far. And I think the perfect analogy to this was a few years ago, maybe some of you remember this, was when Rick Bayless actually was shilling burgers for Burger King. I don't know if anyone remembers oh, that one, but he actually yeah, did do I that a few years that. ago. I was going like, okay, Frontera line, okay, fine. Burger King? Is that drawing he, he the line too far? He did say that all the money he got from that commercial, he contributed to a local farmer's organization. But still, you so. know, it's still Burger King. It's still people right, would probably right. say, you know. You know what? <laughs> bottom line, we got, you know, the people, yeah. you know, the bottom line is we've got, you know, like that. we got Tyler Florence doing his, line for, his, like, his uh, menu for Applebee's. Well, Tyler for Florence while. isn't a chef. Don't. don't. Exactly my point. <laughs> <laughs> but some people, the guy in Iowa watching Food Network thinks that. <laughs> so that's my point is, you know, like, We've, as long as we got on stage right now, a bunch of like, you know, Clint Eastwood's and Meryl Streep's, 
On the other hand, we also have a bunch of Kardashians out there. C. Fieri... <laughs> C. Fieri G. That's my point. How well, far is too far? Yeah. I mean, I think... I mean, I think there are... It, everything in life is a balance. And I think, you know, many chefs, and Rick particularly is one who does a huge amount for educating the public about you know, different things. And he's been a huge supporter, I think, of educating people. And, and so I think, you know, people do things for various reasons. I don't think Rick was that thrilled that he made that decision. I think it was a bad choice and he would yeah. never do it again. And but. so I think that's true. On the other hand, chefs work their butts off and it's not particularly high paying industry. Yeah. Someone gets an opportunity. If they feel at least somewhat okay about what they're doing, they may end up doing something. I don't know. I think about 18 years ago, I think I did a commercial for Crisco. You know, I made more money in that one commercial than I think I'd probably made in my, the first 20 years of my career. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I think obviously everybody always evaluates and sometimes you make poor decisions or maybe not as great, but I think the more important thing is that when you're in that position, like I think Nance was saying, is that when you're in a position where you have the voice and you can speak out about things to help educate, that's our responsibility, and I think most of us take that pretty seriously. Uh, hi, I was wondering if you could um, speak to the role that Los Angeles has played in your cooking and in your restaurants, and for Nancy and Susan, um, how has the state of Los Angeles cooking changed over the last 30 years? Um, and then finally to Ilan, uh, what was it about Los Angeles that made you want to come here and set up your restaurant here specifically? Uh, you probably could have toiled and, and done something really great in, you know, in Portland, in St. Louis, in some other less glamorous place. Was coming to Los Angeles a strategic decision to capitalize on that newfound celebrity you had from the show? No, it's just the weather. <laughs> I'll be I'll be super quick. No, I just th I think that that LA has such a great scene, and like like Susan was saying before, it's so the chefs in LA are so warm to each other, and they embrace new new chefs and new restaurants that it was it was a much more nourishing environment for me to open up my first restaurant, not like New York. <laughs> <laughs> I think for myself, you know, I'm from Los Angeles, so it seemed only natural that this is where I would open a restaurant. However, uh, after I'd worked for Wolfgang for uh, a couple years, um, I was uh, asked to help uh, revamp a, a, a menu in New York. And I moved to New York, and I loved living there. I lived for one year, and uh, I loved it. And I wanted to open a restaurant there, and I actually chose a location. And then when I thought uh, about the food that would be served at the restaurant there with uh, my, uh, my ex-husband then. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how you say that, right? Um, <laughs> we were, you know, at that time in New York, and this was in, say, 1985, probably around 1986. Um, at that time... Uh, I wasn't aware of the Union Square market. I don't know, was it, it wasn't there then, but I wasn't aware of any farmer's markets there. And in the wintertime, the only thing that you could find in the supermarket shelves were iceberg lettuce and a few old carrots and some, you know, and so it was uh, really an, 
unappealing place to be, to think about food and think about menus because the food that we were doing then was definitely ingredient driven, not technique driven. And so it made no sense for us at that time to open up a restaurant in New York as much as I loved uh, Manhattan. And so we were, we realized that the only place we could be successful would be back in Los Angeles where there was an ongoing farmer's market and the produce was uh, better than anywhere else in the country. And that's how I still feel about the, the uh, fresh produce in Los Angeles. And that's why I love having a restaurant here. Mm -hmm.